If you're interested in strengthening your foundation in the Word, join us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for First Steps with Pastor Cheeto. Class meets in children's room here at James Rudder. Sign-ups are at the welcome table. Ladies, mark your calendars for March 11th as one sisterhood invites you to She Blooms. Join us for a night of fellowship and worship, giveaways, treats, and a special word from Pastor Tina Lamone. Colossians 2.7 says, Plant your roots in Christ and let Him be the foundation of your life. Don't come alone, bring a friend, and we will see you there. All right. A lot of great stuff coming up as well. Also, we have our Singles Awakening, and you should have already put down your deposit on that. I just have word we have three spots that did open up. Uh, because the deadline was on the 18th. We have close to, we have about 40 people, 40 singles coming out on this time. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. But there are three spots that opened up. So if you're interest in, interested in those, please see Rebecca Fielding at the back table right after service, and we can maybe lock you in. I'm telling you, it's going to be an awesome time. Pastor Matt, I spoke to him this week, and he's fired up about it. And so you do not want to miss that time. Amen. And also, yeah, last week, or, or let me just mention too, our First Steps classes are starting up in uh, March. The first Sunday in March will be the first one. And it runs about seven weeks, is that right? Seven weeks at 9 a.m., Pastor Cheeto uh, gathers together in one of the classrooms here to just go over some really strong foundational truths that I believe every Christian needs to have solid in their life. And I know many of you have been interested in discipleship and doing other things. Listen, we want to challenge you to go through these classes first because they're really something that's going to be foundational in strengthening your walk with God. And maybe some of you have been saved a very long time, but you need to go back and strengthen your foundation. Make sure that you sign up for those, and they'll starting in, I think it's about two weeks now. And Pastor Cheeto is an incredible preacher and teacher, and uh, we have it early. I know it's at 9, but it, there's never been one person that's ever fallen asleep when he brings the word. So we, we picked the right guy for it, okay? So uh, it's going to be a great time for you, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. And again, that starts in March, so make sure that you're uh, a part of that. And last week, we had our new members class and uh, luncheon with them, and we had 18 uh, people come out to that. Yeah. And um, uh, today, we want to go ahead and receive them in as new members. And the reason we do this is because we're a church that believes in the Spirit. We believe in the Word of God, and the Bible talks about the local church being a type of covering. It is a covenant family. It is, it, you know, the, the description that the New Testament gives is that we come together so closely that we become the body of Christ. That means when one person's grieving, we all grieve. And we've seen that this week. And again, we thank you guys. When one person's celebrating, we celebrate together. We're better together. Everybody say, we're better together. And that is the truth. And we get to see that when we do our outreaches and the way we're affecting our community. It's in a, in a way that not one person can do. But when we all gather together, we can make a huge impact. 
And so we like to welcome our, our new visitors. And I'm going to call your name, and we want you to come up to the front just so everybody can see you, not to embarrass you, but we want to just pray over you and receive you into the covenant body and, uh, and, and just welcome you and so everybody can see who you are. So if I call your name, and please, let me just tell you right now, I jack up names all the time. Okay, so please don't be offended and, and, or anything like that. Just correct me, and I'm, I'm good, all right? I, I like correction too, amen? Uh, so if I mess up your name, don't walk out of here like, I ain't ever going to just work with me here because some of y'all got some names, amen? All right, okay. So Jasmine Pacino, is she here? Come on up. Give her, give her a good hand. Did I say that right? No, I didn't. I knew I didn't. How do you say your name? Pisano, okay, come on now. All right, yeah. Erica Hamilton, where you at? Come on down. Are, are your kids in here? Are your kids in here? Okay, her kids are not in here uh, right now. Jesse, where are you taking her? No, 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 just right here, my man. Oh, okay. Oh, you're going to take some pictures. No problem, no problem. Let me get out of the way here then. Okay, come on up here. Now everybody's like, dang, I didn't know I was going on the stage. Now, Erica's kids are Joseph and Joanna and Isabella, and many of you have gotten to work with them in kids' ministry, but they're back there right now. Uh, Doug Gaffney, are you here? Come on down, Doug. He's a good friend of mine. Julie Alvarez and Bethel Alvarez, are you guys here? Okay, are they here? Come on down. Yeah, give them a good hand clap. Kayla, Kayla Zhang, did I say that right? Kayla, did I say that right, Kayla? She's like, eh, that'll do, Pastor. And I, I know the feeling. I grew up with people jacking up my name all the time. Uh, and this was before they came out with limon chips and, you know, <laughs> Corona limon, you know. So in, in my day, I was always Sergio Lyman, okay? So I know how it feels, you know. Uh, Anthony and Denise Ortiz, come on down. Lisette Sanchez, Lisette. Chanel Griffin, Chanel, Scott Silva, and his kids, Jan and Yasmin. Come on down, guys. And Joyce Cordosi. I say that right, Joyce? You'll help me with it. And is Denise Davis here? Denise Davis, come on down, Denise. Now, uh, everybody, we really just want to uh, make them all feel welcome, and uh, we thank you guys for, for uh, hearing from the Lord to be a part of this covenant body, and we're not doing this to embarrass anybody or anything like that, although you're all like, yeah, right, uh, but we just want to extend our hand, and we want to receive them into the body today, so if you can just extend a hand to them right now as we pray. Father, we just thank you for these wonderful people that have entered into being a part of members of this house. And we extend a hand to them right now. We receive them into this covenant body, Lord. Let the anointing that is upon this house, let every gift, every strength of this house begin to pour into their lives. As we elevate lives together, I pray that the blessing and the fruit of Elevate Life Church would be accounted to their account in heaven. We bless them right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give him a good God bless you. 
guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, guys. So, so blessed to have so many uh, new members in the house. I know God is doing an incredible thing at Elevate Life Church. And I want to encourage you guys to just reach out to them and introduce yourself after service because this is family. That's what the body of Christ is. It is family. And uh, we're blessed to have them in the family of God with us. And, uh, and so I love what God's doing. I love the diversity of what God's doing in our house. We want to continue in that and be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So once again, guys, thank you uh, for, for making Elevate Life Church your home. Um, before I get into the word real quick, I don't want to expound too much. I don't want to make this whole service today about my cousin Eli, uh, but we are going to have a memorial uh, service for him in Elk Grove on Wednesday at 10 a.m., and if you're able and if you would like to come, that's completely, uh, we're inviting you and letting the, allowing the church to be a part of that. I know Eddie and Ariel are going to come and sing and uh uh, it's going to be a great time just to remember his legacy. But this past week, the uh, Gymnastics Association uh, released an article, and some of you may have seen it. I posted it online, uh, but I wanted to read it because Eli, was a, he was a part of this church. Uh, many of you don't know, but man, when we moved here from Florida, I went from being in full-time ministry for 15 years to coming to Sacramento and having to find a job. And the skills on my resume don't translate very well to somebody in the secular market. And they say, what have you been doing for the past 15 years? You say, oh, I've been a pastor. They say, well, what good is that going to do my company? You know, so it was a difficult transition to go from ministry into finding some work. And I'll never forget, and I'll be eternally grateful, that my cousin Eli, when he heard about our, our struggle finding a job, he said, hey, man, you know, I have this gym, and if I have, I'm paying somebody to clean it, but if you, you know, start a business, because I have to have, it's got to be all done right. If you start a cleaning company, I'll hire you and, you know, I'll pay you. So I jumped right on that. And even to this day now, I have a cleaning company that we have and uh, we still have that account. And his generosity towards our family is why we were able to even start this church. And it goes, it goes beyond that because half of you in here were baptized. When we first started doing baptisms, uh, he said, okay, you guys can use our pool. So we would get done with service and we'd drive over to Eli and Debbie's house in Elk Grove. And I still have memories of baptizing Eddie Cobb and his son Dominic there. And I baptized my own son Sergio there and, and Meta. And so many of you here in this house were baptized at his swimming pool and, and uh, because of the generosity. there. And many of you just saw him in here on Sundays just kind of coming in, sometimes not doing so good. And sometimes he'd just be all into the word. But I want to I just read a portion of this article here. Uh, that the National Gymnastics Association released on him. Um, starting gymnastics at the age of eight at Byers Gymnastics in Sacramento, Eli's hard work and commitment enabled him to become, become a member of the USA national team from 1983 to 1987. His success as a junior gymnast secured him a full scholarship to CSU Fullerton, where he met his future spouse and business partner, Debbie Broderick. Debbie and Eli went on to take ownership of Byers Gymnastics Center in 1997. They have two beautiful children, Lillian and Luke, both whom participate in competitive gymnastics. Professionally, Eli's record stands as one of the most successful in Northern California history. During his tenure, Eli led Byers Gymnastics Sacramento, which is now Elevate Gymnastics, 
It's no, it's no coincidence. I'll have to tell you that story some other time. Uh, to produce seven elite female gymnasts and 30 male and female collegiate gymnasts. As a club owner, his inclusive philosophy helped grow Elevate from an enrollment of just over 400 students in 1997 to over 1,500 students together. It was a remarkable accomplishment by any standards. However, his biggest contribution to our sport was his commitment towards growing the Elevate community and producing great people first and great gymnasts second. Eli had a gift for making every member feel like a part of a family, and his technical expertise and ability to articulate gymnastics concepts and passion and enthusiasm made training sessions enjoyable. For those who knew him personally, Eli will always be remembered as an entertaining and funny individual who is extremely passionate about life, gymnasts, and his students. Admittedly flawed and aware of his shortcomings, he was an advocate for continuous growth and improvement. His tortured soul and admitted imperfections epitomize what it means to be human. In a sport designed to chase perfection, Eli's teaching philosophy, philosophy paralleled his personal life. Simply to err is human. We simply get back up and try again. I'd argue that Eli produced such beautiful gymnasts because he valued the imperfections in each of them and allowed them to find their artistic voice through gymnastics. It's a rarity in our sport to find a person who can make you laugh hysterically, but also make you work hard enough to make a USA national team or achieve a college scholarship. But that was his gift and his brilliance. He knew at his very core what gymnastics is. And when I first worked with him in 1998, he told me that his gym was a modified playground and that the great ones play. It took me years and experience to understand what he meant. I grew up with the mindset that gymnastics was hard. Your competitors were your enemies. Being serious was the only way to get things done. And that chasing perfection was the ultimate goal of all gymnasts. Now I understand his intent. Gymnastics and life is a giant playground. Like the great coaches of the past, Eli just played and made coaching gymnastics look easy. Like his personality, his legacy speaks loud and clear. Simply enjoy the company of others, have fun, make mistakes, get back up, live with passion, and most importantly, never forget to play. Amen. So that was Eli as a part of this house and a part of this body. And I think there's some prophetic statements in there because he did. He was committed to, uh, to causing the Elevate community to grow. And we got to this level in a big way because of him. Even as I went and met with different building owners and stuff, he was a part of that initial team. So this morning we just pay tribute to him. And again, thank all of you for your thoughts, your prayers, and definitely your food. My goodness, Elevate people can get down in the kitchen. Praise God. Amen. And so we've been enjoying that and we thank you for that. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Praise God. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles right now. Uh, we're going to we're starting in Colossians chapter 1 19 through 23 and we've been talking about missing pieces and if you're here today I know the Lord brought you here to hear this word because God is in the process of restoring so miss many missing pieces and last week as my cousin Eli came to the altar I believe God restored that last missing piece that allowed him to enter into heaven and his reward. So Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 23, it says this, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, 
By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We know that you're here. We know that you're doing a work. But Father, I just right now take authority over every distraction, over every person that may be hurting, that needs to hear this word and needs to feel your presence. Because Lord, in your presence is fullness. And Lord, we all come into this place today missing pieces in our life. And these missing pieces many times cause us to make bad decisions. But Father, teach us to pursue you to get those missing pieces found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we've been in the midst of a series uh, called Missing Pieces, and this really came and dropped into my spirit as I was praying for the church a few months ago and just really realizing through all the counseling that I've done with folks, through all the funerals I've done and, and all the things that my wife and I have had to sit down and help people with, many of the mistakes that we make in our life and many of the bad decisions stem from missing pieces that we have in our lives. Now, before you sit here and go, I'm talking about somebody else, you need to realize that every single person in this room has missing pieces because the world that we live in is imperfect. We live in a fallen world. We live in a, in a, in a place where there are things all around us that are not the way God meant them to be. And so it's important that we understand that we're flawed individuals. You know, and I think the biggest thing we need to do as Christians is understand that you don't got it all together. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. I ain't going to get, come on, don't make me work for my amens today. But, but, but listen, I think it's important to let Christians know that because we never want to become religious Pharisees. Okay. The religious Pharisees thought that they had it all together. Okay, because they kept the rules, because they did all the commandments, because they were in church every week, because they did this, that and the other. And so because they thought they were all good when Jesus came, they didn't see the need for what he was teaching about because they thought, well, I have all these things put together. I don't ever want us to be that type of Christian because I've met those Christians and they're the kind of Christians that don't do anything for anybody else. They're the kind of Christians that begin to look down on the world instead of reach down and help the world. They're the kind of Christians that look down on people that are struggling instead of step out and help those kinds of people. Listen, I don't know what you thought, but this ain't that type of church. Can I get an amen on that? You won't have a hard time finding churches like that around. And I'm not trying to throw rocks at folks. I'm just telling you this is not what this place is about. We are a place, we are a gathering together of flawed individuals. We are people that are coming together with missing pieces. And we find our missing pieces in God based on what we just read here in Colossians chapter 1. That in him, all the fullness should dwell together. And so we spent the last two weeks talking about that. And we talked about the 12 emotional pieces that we all need 
that every individual needs in their life. If you could put those on the screen there. Again, these emotional needs, every single one of us have a need for these. I don't care if you're a gangbanger or I don't care if you're a 12-year-old girl. You got needs, and these 12 needs are things that most psychologists agree on, that these are needs that everybody has, but not everybody gets fulfilled. The first being acceptance, approval, encouragement, security, affection, support, comfort, respect, attention, appreciation, identity, and correction or structure. Now, these are things that God the Father ordained that we would get these needs met within the structure of the family. But I don't have to tell you that something has happened to the family in America today. It's not what the Bible defines family as being. And please, I'm not throwing any stones at anybody who was raised uh, from a broken, dysfunctional family. Man, the reality is the majority of us were raised in that type of family. Uh, But we've got to get back to what God speaks to us about uh, a family being. Because in God's structural family, the way God wants it to be, these things get met if we do things God's way. Now, as a father, that challenges me, okay? As a father, that makes me go, I need to get close to God so I can provide these for my kids. Because just being a good person will not cause you to provide these for your kids. I know plenty of good people that have raised kids that are hurting. So please, don't don't make it go, well, I'm good, I'm good. No, listen, we need to hear what the Father is saying this morning. So we've talked about that, and, and, and we talked about, just giving you a quick recap, Genesis chapter 28, 3, where we see Abraham meets the El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient one. And you say, why is this so significant? Because if we all have needs, it's important that we go to the one who can meet all needs. Most people don't do that. They go to the bottle. They go to drugs. They go to relationships. They go to sex. They go to sports. They go to education. They go to all sorts of other things only to find at the end of the day the pieces don't get found. So that's why we have 45-year-old men still hurting on the inside because of things that their father didn't give them. Now, you could be tough on the outside. No, no, I'm good. I'm straight. But you know when God the Father has not replaced the missing piece yet. So we're all, we're all deficient in these areas, but God wants us to meet him as the all-sufficient one, the one that has whatever you need. This is where we're going to find our missing pieces because the tragedy of not finding our missing pieces is you live a life where you're searching. And most of us are searching in all the wrong places. Come on, somebody. I think it was Waylon Jennings said, looking for love in all the wrong places. Come on, somebody. You didn't, you didn't know I, I, I had some Waylon in me. You know, that's a prophetic song for people. They're looking for love in people that don't know love. Do you ever think about the Bible says that God is love? If you don't know God, you don't know love. And that word know is not know like you can know somebody. That word know is like the biblical meaning for know, where it said that Adam knew Eve. That means intimacy. 
So to really know love, you got to know God intimately. That's just a little nugget for the singles out there. Philippians chapter 419, we know this scripture, we talked about this. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What needs are we talking about? Emotional needs. The 12 needs that we had on the screen. We looked at Psalms 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. And King David says, I shall not want. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that he grew up as an illegitimate son. He grew up as a son that was born out of wedlock. He grew up as a son that was treated as a slave. He grew up being rejected by his father, his family, and everybody around him. And and Bible scholars believe he wrote this psalm towards the end of his days where he got the revelation. God is my father. I no longer have to walk the earth missing pieces. And so that's what we're going into today. And so we started last week talking about how do we restore the missing pieces, okay? And this is where I want to challenge you. Don't miss these sessions because if you don't get this, you'll continue to live in a void. And then what begins to happen is the people in your life all will fill that void. They'll feel it. They'll feel the fact that you've never felt accepted. Your kids will feel that. They'll feel the fact that you're not secure. Your wife will feel that. Everybody will feel these things around you. And so we've got to learn how do we get these things restored. Amen? So the first thing we said last week is if you're going to restore the missing pieces in your life, you've got to forsake the past. Amen? Everybody say, forsake the past. Forsake the past. past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, you can look on the screen. It says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected. Let me stop right there. You got to think about who's, who's saying that. This is Apostle Paul. This is somebody that if you ask me, this brother attained. This brother was pretty close to perfect. But look at his own perception about himself. This is where somebody in here that's full of pride, you better look at this. Because you think you got it all together, you don't. As great as Paul was, he says, hey man, I'm not looking at it like I've arrived. I'm not perfect. Look what he says. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. And he says, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget the things which are behind, reaching forward to the things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So this is what Apostle Paul says. He says, if you're going to see the the pieces restored in your life, you got to forget the past. You got to get over it. You got to move on. You got to keep on trucking. It was just a bump. It was a it was a season. It was an it was an instance. It was a situation. Now, granted, it might not have been a good one. But you cannot allow yourself to be stuck in your past. Now, this is great. We could shout, we could haul, we could say amen. But y'all need to realize how hard this is. How I've sat down across in counseling sessions from women that are in their 30s and 40s that are still carrying the pain of the abuse they got when they were six or seven. Still carrying the shame of the rape that they experienced when they were 13. 
Years have gone by. I don't know who told you time heals a broken heart, but it don't. The only thing that heals a broken heart is Jesus. Because I've sat across from them, and as they recounted the situation, they cried as if it just happened yesterday. And so you hear a word like this that says, hey, you got to forget it and go on. Some of us go, amen, but others of us go, pastor, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me introduce you to somebody that can help you. His name is Jesus. And he specializes in doing the impossible. He specializes in doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And so you've been carrying the pain, the memories, the nightmares of the abuse, of the rape, of the rejection for 20 years. And now you come to the house of God and God says, it's time to forget it. It's time to leave it in the past. I want you to understand where that's coming from. It's not coming from a place of somebody that was perfect telling you that. Because here's what most of us will go into. We hear a word like that and we go, it's easy for you to say. I don't want you to click into that mode because if you click into that mode, you're going to stay stuck. What I'm, what I'm trying to click you into is a mode where you understand that in God, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Because some of us in here, men and women, are carrying situations that happened to you 20, 10, 15 years ago, and it's time that you got to move on from that thing. It's time that you got to forget it and go on. We got to do like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and press towards the mark of that which is ahead. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is through Jesus Christ. Sometimes you got to make you got to make peace with what has happened. I said this last week. It is what it is. Make peace and move on. We can't go back and change it. Come on. There ain't no Marty McFly. Come on. You know, Doc, Doc Brown in a, in, a, in a flying DeLorean. We can't go back. And, 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 and stop the tragedy that happened. And as I said last week, sometimes what keeps us stuck in a situation in the past is the questions. Well, why did my father die? Why did mom die? Why did my brother do this? Why did my uncle molest me? Why did God allow this to happen? And these questions that will never, some of us will never get the answers to, can keep you stuck. They keep you stuck. And so what we've got to learn how to do is turn all of our questions over to the Lord and say, God, I don't know why it happened. I don't know why this was a situation, but it is what it is. And I trust that one day I'll find out the reasons. I'll find out those, those, those questions that I have in heaven. And I believe we will. But you know what's going to be great? We won't even care at that time. We won't even care. And we'll be in the presence of Almighty God. But what has to happen, some of you walk your world, you, you, you got to know everything. You got to know, because you, you, you got to get past that, because that's going to keep you stuck. Because there are some things you will never know, but you know God. And when I've come to a place when I don't have answers, I just look to God and say, God, only you know, and I trust you. I trust that my life is in your hands. And if you don't want me to know, that's cool. But if you do, he'll get you the answers. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. 
So some of you got to quit asking the, the reasons why. You got to get over all those things. Why, God? Why, God? Man, I don't know why your granddaughter died. I don't know why your daughter was tra tragically killed. We, we, we may never know, and I'm not the preacher that wants to come up here and pretend I got the answers. I don't. And I, I, I wouldn't want to be the guy that's making up. See, that's what's happened many times with preaching in churches. We have felt the pressure that we've got to give answers. So we've given answers that don't line up with God's word. Like the person that says, God made me this way. I'm sick because God put this on me. You don't have a scripture to back that up. It might make your mind feel okay, but there's not a scripture in here that says God put sickness on people. Because it's the Bible says, I came uh, that we might be healed. He said, I, you know, he sent his word to heal us. But see, a person that's always got to have answers, you're going to find answers in many times. They ain't going to come from God. And if it ain't in his word, God ain't speaking it. He's not. Can I get an amen on that? So we got to forsake the missing pieces. And we talked about last week uh, what happened with, uh, with Jacob. And Jacob was in a tragic time in Genesis chapter 35. He's believing for another son. His wife gets pregnant. The pregnancy is tough. And what begins to happen, she goes into hard labor. And in, in the midst of giving birth to the child, she dies. And she goes on in her dying last breath, and she names the son, son of my sorrow. She called this whole situation, she called this baby, son of my sorrow. But then the father speaks up with tears in his eyes, and he says, no, he will not be known as son of your sorrow. Instead, he will be known as son of my right hand. As we talked about that story, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But the significance of it is this. God, your father, has naming rights. Oh, you didn't catch that. I said the father has naming rights. The father does. So no matter what happens in your life and what other people call it, you've got to allow God to call it something else. Yeah, you might have went through a divorce and everybody says, well, you're a divorcee. But God has naming rights. He says you got a new beginning is what you got. You got a fresh start. That's what you got. And see, it's all in what you call it. And we talked about this last week. And, and you could sit there and be an ex-this, an ex-gang member, an ex-drug addict, an ex-this or ex-that. Or you can allow the Father to name you something else. Now remember, you and I are sons of the Father. Look at your neighbor and say, you're just like your daddy. Now, don't get nervous before y'all get in a fight. No, I ain't. You don't know my dad. I ain't going to be like that loser. I'm talking about your heavenly father. That's who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that dude that left you or was mean to your mom. I'm talking about your heavenly father. That's a good place to say amen right there. You're just like your daddy, which means this. You got naming rights. What are you going to call your life? You're going to call it a life of tragedy because of what you went through? Or are you going to call it a life of victory because of where you're going? You want to stay being an ex-con or you want to be a victorious person? 
You want to stay being an ex-drug addict or this, and, and you, you're just so camped around your past? Or are you willing to lose that and find your future in God? That's what I believe needs to happen. Because once you do that, you'll find the missing piece. You'll never find it holding on to what's back here. You'll never find it. And so it might have been something that you could always look back on and call it tragedy, tragedy. But let God get in you. Let God fill your words and you call it something else. It's time to call your life something else. Look at your neighbor and say, you're something else. That was kind of sweet. I see couples. Calm down, couples. Calm down. It's time to change your name. Call it what you want. Focus on the future and not your past. It's what you got to do. Some of you have been too focused on the past. And listen, hear my heart. It's not that I'm trying to, you know, tell you you ain't been through nothing. Listen, some of you have been through stuff I could have never went through. There's so much strength in this room. When I hear some of your stories, I just sit there and my jaw just goes, wow, how you are still here with the past and all the things you went through, but you're still here. I marvel at the strength that's in this room. Some of you have gone through some amazing, incredible things, and, and, and you've got to understand now it's time to focus on the future. I was listening to somebody uh, this, this past week, and I'm not going to try to get, you know, all into neuroscience and, and the brain. Come on, I ain't going to perpetrate a fraud up here. You all know. You all know I went to Valley High. Come on. So I'm not going to get up here, well, you know, the brain. Or, you know, no, no, no. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that to somebody more qualified like Arnold or something. I don't know. <laughs> but really, though, and this is, this is deep, but it's not. The brain or the mind is basically broken into really, it, it's intricate, intricate. But for, for people like you, just to get a pic, you and I, I should say, to get a simplified picture of it, uh, it could be broken up into two major parts. Now, you science freaks don't get all mad at me. No, it ain't. It's very intricate. There's so, I know, I know. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down, Mr. Science, whatever. But it, it, track with me here. It's basically broken down into two major areas that we use every day. The first part of the brain houses the memories that you have, okay, the memories that you have. And this is very important. This part of the brain really works like a computer, that every experience that you have is filed away in a part of your dream, I mean, the part of your mind, that anytime you want to, you could pull out that file like a computer, and you can literally relive that experience. How many have ever experienced that before? Okay. Yeah, you've experienced before when you get with your family and y'all start telling stories about your childhood. Y'all ever experienced that? And you just go to laughing and you're just as happy talking about what you did as you were when you're experiencing it. How many have ever experienced that? Okay. How many have ever had a really good cheeseburger? Come on, somebody. Now, last week or the week before, I talked about Mongolian barbecue and I saw the pictures y'all went. You know, but listen, you could you could you could picture memories and you could pull them up and you can relive those memories as if they're happening all over again. It's a part of your mind. So you can go back and you could talk about an experience in your childhood and the same feelings that you had then will flood your life. 
and you'll experience them again. This is how Disneyland tricks you, <laughs> tricks you into paying exuberant amounts of money. Come on, somebody. Money you ain't got to continue to go back to see the daggone same mouse. He ain't changed. He ain't changed, y'all. Still got the ears. They put a little new uniform on because 60 years. And, 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 you know, but it's the same mouse. Don't get mad at me, JB. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> Trying to go somewhere with this. We got some Disney. I love Disney. We've gone to Disney a lot. Probably, I mean, we're probably in the top five families that have been to Disney in this place. We love it. Okay, but this is how they get us. Because there's a memory that you had when you were a kid. And so now when you think of that memory, you want to experience it again. Because that memory's tough. So they can raise the ticket prices. Come on, they, and they do every year. And they try to tell you, oh, we're raising it because we added an attraction. You put a slide in at the little playground. Come on, you ain't fooling nobody. That slide now, we got to wait two hours to go down it and pay more. And you know what we do? We do it. I don't even, I, I'm going to get depressed right here if I tell we, we used to pay 25 was it $30 a ticket for Disney, some of us, some of us old schoolers? I don't even know what it is now. And don't, don't shout it out either, because we ain't got nobody getting losing hope that they're going. Amen. Okay? But, but listen, again, how, do they, how does that work? They build a whole thing on our memories. So because of a feeling, and because we all have that memory, we want to experience it again, so we go back. They do this with commercials, okay? You have a really good meal. They throw pictures to remind you of that experience so that you'll go back. We're conditioned, and let me even say it like this. The weakest of minds is conditioned to work that way. But what happens when you have a negative experience? The same thing. Some of you keep reliving the negativity in your life, because it is a memory that you can't stop playing. And anything, any time something comes around that, that, that makes you remember that, I have been with, with guys that are watching a movie where the dad is playing catch with the son, and the guy I'm with will go to crying. And I'll be like, what's the deal? Ah, oh, it just reminds me, man, my dad, he wasn't there for me. I didn't get that. And they'll go right into a negative place and replay that. But there's a second part of the mind. There's a second part of the mind that the average person, and we're not average in here. How many know that? We're not average. Tell your neighbor, I ain't average. You're not average. Because if you was average, you wouldn't come to this church. You wouldn't be here. You'd be at First Assembly of Average or somewhere. I don't know. Third Church of Average, you know. You'd be somewhere, a cathedral of average, but you, you wouldn't be here because we're not average. But let me tell you this. Every mind has this second part to it. And this part of the mind doesn't deal with memories. It deals with ideas. It deals with the future. Most people live in the area of memories. 
It's always about what was. But what God wants you to do, he wants you to shift over into the second part of your brain that deals with the imagination. The imagination. Listen, don't ever stop imagining. To give some props to Walt Disney so JB could stop looking at me all mean. He used to preach imagination. If you can imagine it, you can do it. I was listening to my brother uh, Vince, Coach Diego, this past week, and he was telling him, you got to see yourself hitting that ball. That's it. That's what we're talking about. We've got to get the average person to stop living in memories and start living in the imaginations of the future. You got to start seeing what you want. You got to start seeing where you're going. You got to start seeing it to where it's so strong that you create a memory of something that hasn't even happened yet. It, it, it's so real that you know exactly how the idea goes. You see the business. You see the car you're driving. You see the house you're living in. You see the family you're having. You see the Thanksgivings, the Christmases. You see it. You see it. It's, it's right there. And every time you see it, you get happy. God says, that's where I need to shift you. Forgetting the things that are behind and pressing towards the ideas of the future. But you can't do it. You keep live, reliving the abuse. I didn't have a dad. Nobody loved me. Nobody did that. Stop thinking of that. Look at the future. Somebody's loving you. You're traveling the world. You're starting a business. Your wife is fine. Your husband's got a job. Your kids look good. They ain't got Kool-Aid lips like you grew up with. They don't have slurpy teeth. Come on, some of us. Amen. We have slurpy teeth. We, they don't have that. They, they look good. They're going to good schools. See, you've got to create that through your ideas, through your vision. You've got to see it. But some of you, I can't ever get you to stop looking back. We say, we come and we challenge you. Hey, this is what we do. Yeah, but pastor, you got to realize I came from a home like this. It don't matter. I'm trying to get you to go here. Yeah, but correction's real hard for me, pastor, because I didn't have a dad. It don't matter. You got to create, you got to tap in to the second part of your brain. That sees the future. That sees the future. Let, let, me, let me put it to you like this, going back to my science geeks over there. Albert Einstein said it like this. The greatest mind of his day wasn't a preacher. He said it like this. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Because imagination determines what you pursue with your knowledge. Now, they don't teach that in university. You know why? Because it's a spiritual principle. What is an idea? It, to a born-again person, an idea is spirit. Okay? Because everything in the natural can be seen, touched, tasted, experienced. Everything in the spirit, it's not. To put it in layman's terms, it's a concept. It's an idea. That once we believe and activate it in faith, we can pull it out of the spirit into the natural. Einstein said that's more important than knowledge. This is why you could get around successful people and they will all tell you it wasn't my degree that got me here. 
It was my ideas. Not against education, not against degrees. It has its place. But even Einstein, the greatest mind of his day, said, you need some ideas. You need some imagination. You got to paint pictures. Every coach that has coached to a championship level has told you, you got to visualize. I know some of us in here, we watch 30 for 30 on ESPN. And I've seen the one where Jim Valvano, they did thing on him, NC State, where you, you got to watch that one because his little broke down team beat all of the top guys, Georgetown, when they had Patrick Ewing. They went through Houston when they had the five slamma jamma, uh, Kim Awajuwon. Come on, somebody. Clyde the Glide Drexler. Ha! You know, uh, I'm going to get blessed here. He went through all the top guys, Ralph Sampson. And they started their season. Here's what he would do. He would say, guys, the first practice, he said, guys, get the ladder out. Guys, carry the ladder. What are we going to do with this? Put that over there by the goalpost. They put it up. He said, all right, we're going to have practice today. Our first agenda as a team, we're going to practice cutting down the net on this goal. And they thought he was crazy. Man, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? We just blah, blah, blah. He said, get up there and do it. They got up there and did it. He said, you did it wrong. Get up there and put another one. And he said, he, they said they wouldn't let them leave practice until they did it right. Now, if anybody, if anybody doesn't know, when you win the championship, they go up and they cut the net down. And they wear it and everybody cheers. He made them do that on their first practice. That season, they went from zeros to the number one team in America. And there's not a coach in the land that won't tell you, you got to see it before you can do it. But you can't see it as long as you're looking back. Are you tracking with me today? That second part of your mind is used to imagine the future. This is why the Bible tells us meditate. Listen, the Buddhists, they took that from us, y'all. The New Age movement, they ain't that. Somebody took that from us. The Hindus, they took that from us. That wasn't some bald monk's idea sitting on the side of a hill. That's scripture and verse. That's book of Psalms. That's Jesus. Meditate on God's word day and night. Joshua 1.8. I can't get nobody to meditate. We want to watch TV. Come on. We want a YouTube. We want to do anything but meditate. Listen, you got to take some time. And you got to develop that aspect of your brain. Because meditation can cause your vision to be strong. And, and that will carry you towards the future. Meditation is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because it'll cause the future to become more real than your present condition. This is a, something I read in a book, y'all. This is how I've had to live for the past eight years. When, when I had to get up here in the early days and leave here and go mop floors, I had to get up in front of people in a, in a way that I had, I had to preach victory when I didn't have no victory in the, in the present. But you know what allows me to even do that now? Because I see us where we're going. And I'm really, I, I said this to you last week jokingly when I said, it's 2017, remember that? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm living in the future, y'all back here in the past. So let me, you know, I said that. That's a reality. Because I have to live, my memories of where I'm going have to be so strong that I go through the struggle to get there. See, some of you just living in your struggle, 
It ain't, man, our marriage is jacked up. We ain't got no money, pastor. And you over here telling us to serve people and you doing this. See, you're stuck. Get your imagination cranking. Start seeing where you want to go. Start seeing where you want to be. Start seeing yourself on a plane. Start seeing yourself going on a missions trip, starting a business, helping others, having a good marriage, having a good relationship with your kids. Can I get a good strong amen? Amen. If you don't imagine the future, you'll remember your past. Please write that down. If you don't imagine your future, you'll live in your past. Let me say it like that. If you don't imagine your future, you'll live in your past. Some of you, your past is too big, your future's too small. You've, grow, you've, got come to, you've come at grips with just being an X this and X that. If you live where your mind is, now think about this. Well, let me say it like this. You actually live where your mind is. You don't live where you're around. You live where your mind is. Some of you are still 16, even though you look 48. And you feel 82. Come on, somebody. You feel 82, look 48, but you're still stuck at what happened to you at 16. Still stuck at what happened to you at high school. Still stuck at that place where that person broke your heart. Still stuck at the place where you got a divorce. The divorce happened 10 years ago, but you're still there trying to have a new relationship. You're trying to have a new relationship stuck at that age, at that place, because your mind won't let it go. You ever date somebody that all they do is, is, is talk about their ex? Run. Run. Just be like, yeah, baby, I got to go. Um, I got a thing. You got to go. You got to go. Why? Because they're stuck. If all they talk about is the ex, where they were, they're stuck there, and they will not be able to be present with you. And that was worth coming to church for this morning. Let me keep going. If you can't see your future, you'll replay your past. You'll replay it. You just keep going and doing the same dumb thing that you did before, dating the same crazy people, hanging out with the same crazy people because you can't see the future. you got to get to the place where you see the future. Where you, your, your mind is the place you live. Let me put it to you like this. Your mind is also a magnifier or a minimizer of, what, of your life and of what you've gone through. Let me say that again. Your mind is a magnifier or a minimizer of what you've gone through. That's important. You can call it what you want. It used to be a song by Bill Summer at Summer's Heat. My brother had the album. And it went, you can call it what you want. Oh, don't get me going. Don't get me going in here. But you can call it what you want. You got naming rights. But the imagination, see, your mind has the ability to magnify something or minimize it. Some of you don't realize it, but you, you, do, you use this all the time. This is how a woman that go, is in an abusive relationship can stay in it. Because she minimizes the abuse. He hits you with a shoe, busts your lip open, and she'll get up the next day and go, he was just having a bad day. 
I deserved it. I shouldn't have said what I said. Minimizing the abuse to stay in the situation. Some of us minimize our actions, but we magnify somebody else's. You ever meet somebody like that? When it's them, they want to be like, oh, but, but, but Pastor, my heart was right. I, I know I shouldn't have did it. They minimize what they did. They beat somebody down. Min- but, 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 but Pastor, my heart was in the right place. But when somebody does them wrong, oh, my gosh. You think World War III started. They will magnify a look. I saw how he looked at me. It was a look. But see, to you, because you can magnify, that look said, I'm a punk. I'll beat you down. You ain't nothing. The look said a whole lot. Why? Because your mind can magnify or it can minimize. So here's what we've got to discipline our mind to do. We've got to teach our mind when it is important to minimize and to maximize. So I have a bad day one day. I have a bad day. I got things don't work out. Lose my temper, lose my cool. It's a bad day. By the time I go to bed, just guess what I got to do? I got to minimize that day. I got to say, you know what? That wasn't a good day. But that's all right. Tomorrow, it's going to be a good day. And you throw on a little edited, I say edited, a little edited ice cube. Today was a good day. Come on, somebody. There's a clean version. Find it. There's a clean version of that song. Okay. So we've got to learn when to minimize and maximize. You ever meet somebody who has gone through something, and every time they tell the story, it gets worse and worse? And you were there. You were there when it happened. But every time you're sitting there and they're telling the story, it got worse. And then this happened. And then on top of that, this, and you're sitting there going, I was there? When did did that happen? You know, they try to tell you a story how they got hurt. You're walking with them, and yeah, and I was playing ball, and, and you know, I just, my, I hurt my knee, and, and, and I went over to the bench and sat down. That's how it really happened. They run down the court, ah, take me out. Coach put me on the bench, they sat down. But when they tell it to their girl, everybody in the gym, baby, I'm telling you, everybody in the gym, they heard it pop. Yeah, we just, we all heard it pop. And I just fell, and the refs came, and you're sitting there like, I was there, fool, that didn't happen. Then the next time he tells the story, yeah, I was run, everybody heard this pop, and then you could see the bones sticking out. <laughs> and you're like, I was there. That wasn't, how many have ever experienced that? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. We can magnify something bad that happened to us and make it so much worse than it actually was. And let me just tell you this, after we're laughing, some of you have done that. Some of you have done that. You made your first marriage way worse than it was. You made that last relationship way worse than it was. I'm not saying it was good for you. I'm not saying go back to it. No, 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 hear that. I'm just saying you do so much magnifying of the bad, you've got to learn to magnify the good. Here's Here's a better place to do it, in your marriage. 
in your marriage. I've sat across from couples. They say, what's the problem? Well, my husband doesn't pick up after himself. Okay, he doesn't pick up after himself. Now, now that's a problem. But you have made it into a problem that is greater. You see not picking up after himself as he ain't picking up after himself because he don't love me. <laughs> he don't pick up after himself because he wants me to touch his dirty underwear. I know how you think. He wants me to be late for work. He wants me to be in a bad mood. That's why he don't clean up for him. You've turned it into all these other layers. When you know what the problem is, he's just a messy dude. <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do with you. Come on, fellas. Can I get a good strong amen in here? <laughs> ain't nothing on that. There is nothing on that about you. I'm saving somebody's marriage this morning. There's nothing on that about you. It's not about you. He just needs to quit being a slob. But it's not about you. See, we're laughing, but do you see, y'all see this? So every problem that your husband has, because you can magnify it, you put layers on it. And it's bigger and bigger and bigger. What, what if you could just minimize? This ain't personal. He's undisciplined. He's, he, he, you know, he needs to work on it. And I'm not saying he don't need to work on it. Dude, pick up your socks, you know? Pick up your socks. Wash your dish. Come on, somebody. You know? But, but don't put something on it and magnify it. What we've got to learn how to do is magnify God. Magnify the good. Magnify the good in your spouse. See that and minimize the bad. Can I get an amen on that? This is, going, this is going to help you because you can't move forward until you put things in this proper place. Help me on the keys, please. It's time we move forward. But what we've got to do is we've got to change some of your focus. Life has been focusing on the past for too long. It's time now that we ask the Holy Spirit to unlock your imagination, to unlock ideas, to unlock things in your future so they can become so real that you'll run to them and you'll go after them and you'll pursue them. They'll become so real that you can enjoy the present season you're in. Singles, you'll enjoy your present season when you begin to see your future married. The reason you don't enjoy being single is because you're afraid you'll never get married. So you're, you're not enjoying it. I just want to get married. I just want to get married. Please enjoy your single season. It's got its perks. And I don't mean casual sex with folks and dating every crazy person. The perks I'm talking about is you get to enjoy some you time. There will come a day. <laughs> I have a dream. No, that's going to be gone. I remember the day I could go out and have one cheeseburger. Buy one cheeseburger, Coke fry. I'm good. Lunch, $7. I go to lunch now with three kids, one teenager and a wife. <laughs> Them days are gone, baby. <laughs> They're gone. I often sit in a restaurant and look at a single guy and go, dang, brother, you, you, I, I remember that day. 
I'm joking. Stand on your feet. Stand on your feet. It's time we, we, we if we're going to get these missing pieces, we got to let go. We got to let go. And it ain't easy. But this is where God comes in. Close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to let you go in a minute. Close your eyes. Lord, we make a conscious decision right now. We make a conscious decision right now to leave the past. The experiences, negative, all those things, the questions, we leave it. We don't know why it happened. But Father, we make a conscious decision to find your will in the future. What is the will of God for our families, our marriages, our jobs, our money, our investments? Give somebody a, an idea of owning their own home, owning two homes, starting a business, birth an idea in somebody that is from heaven and make that memory so strong in our minds, Lord God, that it carries us through the sacrifice that it carries us through the lonely times, the broke times, Lord God. We'll never find the missing pieces looking in a cluttered past. We'll only find the missing pieces from you, Lord, getting a glimpse of our future. Come on, just, just stay in this for a moment. God's releasing prophetic visions, prophetic pictures of you your future, your family. What does it look like? What does he have for you? What does God want for your kids, your finances? There's ideas from heaven. They're yours. God, release those pictures right now. Let them catch a glimpse. Let our future be more real than our past. Let the memories of our future, even though that sounds like it don't make sense, let the memories of our future be stronger than the ones of the past. Our best days are ahead. Our best days are ahead, God. The pain of the past pales in comparison to the blessing of the future. Father, we just thank you. Come on, if you could pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. So rabakate Oh, we stir up the spirit man right now. Father, release to us dreams and visions right now. See, Rabakata, ideas. What does it look like, Lord? Move us out of the pain of the past, the hurt, the dysfunction. Show us what heaven will be like in our lives, Lord God. I see somebody here debt free debt-free, ain't no more credit card payments, ain't no more bills to creditors. I see people in this house owning their own homes. See people starting businesses and ministries, owning things, ownership. I see it, but you got to see it. I see the children's church full of kids that grow up in the ways of God, the ways of the Lord going to college. I see it. I'm 
before I let you go, please keep your eyes closed for a moment. There's some of you right now, you can't see the future because, well, because you need God in your life to a whole nother level. And you've ran, you've tiptoed, you've made excuses, but this morning is your morning to give your life to Jesus, like for real, for real. And the Bible says if you make him known in the presence of your brothers and sisters on the earth, he'll make your name known in heaven. And maybe you're here right now. Please, nobody looking around, why don't you just hear my words. You're here right now and you say, I got to get right with God. I got to give God my life. I got to make things right and I got to move forward from this place. The only way you can do that is by understanding the blood of Jesus washes away your sins, your past, your mistakes. If you know you need to be washed in his blood and you're ready to make a commitment to God to serve him all of your days, I want you to just slip up a hand because I want to pray for you. If there's anybody here, yes, I see your hand. I see that hand. I want you to do one other thing. And you might have did this before. It's all right. Doesn't even matter. You got, if you, it, it took me five or six times before it took. Listen, if you just raised your hand, I want you to just come down here right now. And we want to pray with you. Just come on down here right now. We're making a commitment this morning. We're not going back to the past. We're going forward. Come on down. Come on. Come on. Be bold. Just come on down. Come on down. Yes, come on in on this. Anybody else? Come on. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We're going to pray a prayer right now, and I want you folks to pray this with me. And I believe in everything's going to change. And I want us all to pray this this morning. Because like we saw last week, we don't know whose last time it is in church. The Bible says if you pray and you, and you speak this with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, He'll come and live with us. Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I'm not perfect. I need a Savior. I need you to forgive me for my sins, for my mistakes, for the things I've done wrong. And come live in my spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And teach me to live for you. Help me live for you and help me find my future in you, in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a good praise clap. Now listen, you guys that are up here, Pastor Cheeto is going to take you right over here to the side. He's going to pray with you over some other things here. And then we're going to let you go. I'm not going to keep you too long. But the rest of you, you guys get something today? Listen, this week I want to challenge you. Write down, visualize your future. Start seeing this thing really clear. And it does not matter if you didn't have a dad. It does not matter if you didn't have a mom. It does not matter if your dad didn't love you or if he rejected you or if you were an alcoholic or if you went to jail. The future is not determined on that. It's based on what heaven releases to you through your ideas and your imaginations. God bless you guys. This Wednesday at 10 a.m., if you want to come to the memorial service for Eli, you're all invited. It's over at East Lawn uh, 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 Memorial, uh, what is that, funeral place there off of the 99 in Elk Grove. And uh, we'd love to see you there. I know a lot of us work, but if you want to come, you could be a part of that. And uh, we will see you all next week. God bless you guys.